But um, what was the answer to the question? What's the mission statement of our church? Following Jesus, caring for each other, impacting the world. That's right. Thanks. Uh, we work in there. Thank you. That's it. Following Jesus, caring for each other, impacting the world. And like I said last week, normally this time of the year I'll preach three messages, following Jesus, caring for each other, impacting the world. But this year, as I've been praying about it, I just want to look at what does impacting the world mean for us, for you and I, as individual believers, for us as a church, what does it mean? And certainly that coincides with the theme that I believe the Lord wants us to look at this year, which is setting free or set free in 23, seeing people discovering the freedom in Christ, knowing what our freedom in Christ is so that we can then share that with other people. And so this morning, this is the second message in in three messages that encourage believers to go mad, okay? Encourage you to make a difference, believers who are making a difference, impacting the world, seeing people set free in 23 by making a difference with our lives. It's a bit challenging, really, because most of us like to be quiet uh, and, 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 and uh, not, not out there sort of people. And yet God has a plan for us where he wants us to have an impact on the world. His, his word tells us that. We're going to look at one, one element of how we can do that today. Last week, we looked at living a life of love. If we were to love with the agape, agape, God love, total self-giving for the other person's benefit without any expectation in return, of anything in return, then that would have an impact on us as a, in our families, in our church family, and I'm sure it would have a ripple effect into our community. But it's not easy to do, is it? It's not easy to love somebody, to give, to help, without any expectation of anything in return. That's not the way of the world. That's not the, that's not the theology of the cosmos, the world, the time that we're in. The time that we're in says, I'm only going to do something if I get something out of it. It's really a selfish outlook, isn't it? But that's what we're on about. We're on about what God wants for us. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones or your super good memory, to remember John chapter 8. And we're going to look at living a life of fruitfulness. How can we not be fruit loops, but how can we be fruitful as followers of Jesus so that we make a difference in other people's lives? that we might see them set free in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, this is your word that we're going to read. And we know the power of your word alone as your spirit takes it into our hearts and our minds, as it implants it there, as it makes it concrete in our lives, so that ultimately we might live it out. We know the power of your word alone. And so I pray, Father, this morning, that each one of us are in a place right now where we're ready to receive your word, and to allow you to use us to live it out. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you might recall, how many months ago was it? Two months ago, Lincoln? Roughly. Lincoln preached on this passage uh, two months ago and did a great job. And I, I hear tell he preached it again last week at Innisfail, and God used him mightily again. I'm not going to preach the same message. 
And I don't know about you, if you found that when you read the same passage of the Scriptures over again, God says something different to you. But it's still in the context of that passage, it's still true. So John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. And I'm going to invite you to read it with me. So I'll read the first screen, you can read the second screen, like we've done in the past. You know what this does for me? Helps me to make sure that you're awake. And it reinforces God's word in our lives as well. And this is what Jesus said. It's a recording of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You can read this one. You have spoken. Verse 5 says, oh, too far. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7, if you remain... Those verses just reminded me of uh, something I shared last year, I think it was, about uh, scripture memory, uh, memory, learning verses off by heart. I'm in the process of putting some uh, promises together from God's word and I'll publish them in the next week or two. So if you want to start learning some Bible verses that are God's promises to you individually and so that you might take them in and, and at the right time the Holy Spirit can bring them to your mind in situations that you face or decisions you need to make, then they will be available for you to learn. There will be a test. No, there won't be a test. But you could get together with somebody else or another couple of people and test each other and say, have you learned this verse this week? Uh, that's a challenge for you, isn't it? All right, so that's coming up this week. One of the um, untruths, one of the false things that have happened in Christendom and in the church, particularly in the modern church, and that's over the last uh, 50 to 80 years, is this idea that those who are born again, those who are redeemed, those who are believers in Christ, only have to be faithful, not fruitful. So it's not true, is it? It's a, it's a false statement. Only those, only those in Christ only have to be faithful, not fruitful. Now, I know where this comes from. It comes from an extreme theology which says God knows who's going to be saved anyhow, therefore we don't have to tell them about Jesus, we don't have to share the gospel with them. And that's an extreme thing. But even people who are getting close to that point still see the scriptures which says, go into the world and preach the gospel. So I don't know how they come to that point. But sadly, it's it's an untruth that's being captured by a lot of churches in our country and around the world, especially churches that are declining, disintegrating, if you like, falling apart, because they don't trust that God will do something amazing. They don't trust that God still cares for those who are not followers of Jesus or not believers in Jesus. 
And so it's easy to say, God, it's easy to say, God knows who's going to be saved, so we'll just live with that. Church closes down. I don't believe we're one of those churches, by the way. And I want to expose this morning, if anything, expose this untruth to us from God's word alone. According to this passage in John chapter 8 and other passages in the scripture, it's clear, absolutely clear, that being fruitful is absolutely God's divine desire for those who name the name of Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The truth is that God wants us to be fruitful as well as faithful, not just faithful. Now, some of you know that I'm not a real good gardener. And uh, just recently, Cheryl's the gardener in our place. She grows most of the plants and the veggies and that sort of thing. I build the gardens. And recently I shifted a garden. And, and some of this, the dirt out of the garden I used to fill in some of the dips in the backyard. Guess what? Cherry tomatoes are growing. That's the way I like to do gardening. That's the way I like to do veggies. And, uh, but, you know, when, when we plant corn seeds or when we plant bean seeds or when we plant tomato seeds, we expect those things to come up. And if it's just a nice bush... It hasn't finished its purpose, has it? If all it grows is a nice bush, then the fruit isn't there. So that's why I believe without a doubt, and it's a great illustration, that without a doubt that God's desire is for us, authentic followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus Christ, that we should be fruitful in the kingdom of God. No doubt about it at all. The issue often is, how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? How... How do, we become, how do we become fruitful and not fruit loops? Although other people might think that we're like that. So I, I, I remembered, a, I was reading a biography by one of the American football coaches. His name was um, Tom Landry. And he wanted his footballers to become what they wanted to be, even though they didn't think they could be. And this is one of his statements. He said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do. Who wants to do exercise? That they may become what they've always wanted to be. Help them to do what they don't want to do, that they might become what they've always wanted to be. And it seems that the Bible teaches us that same thing. There is no doing without being. We can't be fruitful if we're not faithful. There's no faithfulness unless we're being fruitful just like the young man told us today following Christ is is learning how to give learning how to serve so for us if we are to live a life of fruitfulness what are our expectations what are we expecting Um, some people have these depressive moments when they say oh but my life hasn't changed at all you know, I haven't shared the gospel, I haven't told anybody about Jesus in two days. Some people haven't told anybody about Jesus in two years. But some people get depressed. But what are we expecting for? What, what does God require of us in that we are to live a fruitful life? And I think God's word, even in a cursory glance, even in a brief glance, will give us some insights in what it means to be fruitful. So we can be looking out for it. We can be looking out for that growth in our lives. And the first thing is that it's a divine expectation. Look at the imagery in this 
passage of John chapter five, uh, John chapter fifteen. Jesus is the vine. Who's the vine dresser? God is. Jehovah God. So Jesus is a great picture, isn't it? And and the Father, God the Father, the vine dresser, is wanting to make a reconnection with us, with His created beings. He wants us to connect with him so that we will be fruitful. It's, it's God's plan. There's this divine expectation. God just didn't say, believe in me and that's it. He said, believe in me and live for me. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to use that connection that he's offered through faith in Jesus to live changed lives so that we might have an impact on the world, so that we might see people set free Jesus said these words. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we, there's this divine expectation that we should be fruitful in our lives. To be a part of the process that God's plan. It's a divine expectation. So God's got a plan for you, in other words. It's a determined expectation. Again, the vine dresser, when he works with the vine, he prunes it, doesn't he? He, he trims off the uh, useless parts of the vine. He prunes it so that the vine might flourish further and produce great fruit. He's determined to have a crop. The vine dresser, God Almighty, is determined to have a crop. And you know what? He will stop at nothing for that to happen. How do I know that? He sent his own son to the cross so that we might be fruitful as followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, God gave his best for us, the vine, so that we might produce that fruit. Have you ever thought about that? This is what God did for me. This is what God did for us so that we might do for him and be fruitful for him. So there's this divine expectation, there's a a determined expectation. It wasn't just a a chance thing, it wasn't just a haphazard thing, it was part of God's plan. And the third thing is, in this part, the expectations of a fruitful life is that it's a developing expectation. It's an ongoing thing, it just doesn't start here, it goes through steps. Have you ever thought about the levels of fruit bearing? What levels of fruit bearing? In that passage it talked about it. There's that that place where there's no fruit. That's fruit bearing, isn't it? No fruit. And then there's fruit. And then there's more fruit. And then there's much fruit. And that's what it says in that passage. And God wants us to be in that, that plan. He wants us to move from no fruit, no contact with God, no relationship with God, to being fruitful for God. Much fruit, more fruit. More fruit and much fruit. The caution that I give is that for every level of that fruit production, there is a cost. There's a cost factor. And that cost factor is submission to Christ, to God's plan. That cost factor is giving up some of our own plan, some of our own desires. And the expectation is that if we choose to let God produce fruit in our lives, he will produce much good fruit if we're willing. Everybody produces fruit, whether they're believers or not. 
Everybody produces fruit. Everybody's life changes and has an impact on other people. And Matthew chapter 7, Jesus spoke about the good tree bearing good fruit and the bad tree bearing bad fruit. So everybody produces fruit. But for followers of Jesus, for those that have placed our faith in Jesus, Lord and Saviour, he wants to bear good fruit in our lives. He wants to see our lives change so that we might have an impact on the world. The expectation, are, are you there yet? Are you there? Are you saying, yes, Lord, I want you to make my life fruitful. Maybe that's a starting point for some people. Maybe some people have been cruising along, enjoying all the benefits of knowing Jesus and have forgotten that there's some expectations too. Not my expectations, God's expectations. So the the second aspect of living a life of fruitfulness is this. The essentials. We need to know what the essentials for a fruitful life are. If I want to produce good fruit, how does this come about? How does this come about? I believe that the fruit or the seeds or my life have to be properly planted. And Jesus said in that passage, every branch in me. He says, every branch in me. He wants to see fruit produced. So we are properly planted in Christ. It's not a secret, is it? It's not a secret. If, if you want to see something fruitful, you have to plant it in the proper place. And for you and I, without a close walk with Jesus, then we won't know the awareness of his presence, we won't know his leadership and guidance and his desire to change our lives. So we have to be properly planted in Jesus. Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians In Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 to 13, this is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. How did people hear about Jesus? Someone told them. Could have been through words, could have been through the fruit of their lives, the actions of their lives. So for people to say, faithfulness only, we don't need fruitfulness, they haven't been reading these these Bible verses, have they? So we need to be properly planted in Christ. 
We need to be properly planted in Christ. Are we okay there, Christine? Okay, all right. Do we need the wheelchair at all? Have we got a nurse or a doctor in the building this morning? We've got a lady that's not well. Yeah, actually, if you come over, Neil, just sit with um, Joan, please. Okay. So, folks, uh, we're going to pray for Joan right now. She's not feeling very well. Let's, let's pray. All right? An ambulance has been called. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray for Joan right now that you'll be close with her. You'll be her peace. She'll trust you for what's happening in her body. Lord, we ask that you'll uh, just remind her of your presence. And Lord, that you'll care for her in the best way you can through capable, qualified people, but also through your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Joan, you happy for us to continue or you want... All right. All right, so we'll, we'll, the ambulance will come and, and we'll stop everything when they come, okay? All right. So, folks, um, this is how we care for each other, by being there for people who are struggling. And Joan knows that we love her and that we'll care for her. We'll do the best we can. And uh, so the ambulance is on its way. Folks, getting back, the essentials for a food for life is this very thing, isn't it? That we're there for one another. We care for one another. We want to impact one another for Christ. And so we'll do the best we can for Joan. But the next aspect of, uh, uh, of being an essential of a fruitful life is that it's professionally pruned. I don't know about you, but uh, Cheryl says that she's going out to prune the roses. And I trust her. And generally there's a rose bush left when she's finished. But my dad, I think I take after him, uh, my dad used to say, I'm going out to prune the garden. And the trees used to shake. The bushes used to shake when he walked down the steps because his prune was a crew cut. Okay, and uh, I think that's my type of pruning too, so I don't prune the... But God is in the business of pruning for a reason. The, pr- the, pr- the pruning is done for a reason. Okay, what happens? The pruning is to cut the tree back to allow for future growth. The pruning is to... Uh, uh, make the tree look good, all those sort of things. And sadly, the truning often happens using a sharp implement, doesn't it? A sharp implement. We don't like that. But the Bible does tell us that God's in the business of testing us. He's in the business of challenging us so that we might be the best that we are in his strength alone. So the essential for fruitful life is that we allow God, we expect God to test us, we expect God to prune us so we might be better suited to serving him. And the last part of that is that we are permanently placed. We are with God. We are securing God. But it's our choice. God's promises say that we're secure in him. But it's our choice. He's he's created us in his image. And that image gives us a free will to choose whether we will stay with God or not. And, you know, sadly, even in churches, when life gets tough, 
people forget that we have this promise of permanence with God and they choose to go their own way and sometimes make foolish decisions. But if we have this essential, knowing that we are in God or we are safe in God no matter what happens, that will help us towards a fruitful life. And the third aspect this morning, which is the final aspect, is that we have have an examination of this fruitful life. Who examines my life for its fruit? Who examines my life to see that I'm living out the fruit, whether it be the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, or whether it be uh, reproducing myself in seeing new people come to faith in Christ? Who checks up on me? Any answers? I do. I'm the one that holds myself accountable, isn't it? First of all, I'm the one that checks up that I'm doing the right thing. I do. I'm the one that says, am I measuring up to what God has for me? But you know, the sad thing that I see in in churches and in other organisations is people don't usually measure up to a standard, they measure up to what other people think about them. And that's a trap, isn't it? So for me, if I'm examining my life to see if I'm a fruitful person for Christ, I have to measure it up against God's expectations not what other people think. There's somebody else. Who else would examine? Whether we, somebody said the answer before. God? Well, Christ, God, he does. He checks us out. He shows us whether our life is being fruitful. And ultimately, we will know when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, in the, as the Bible tells us, we will know whether we have been fruitful for Jesus and the kingdom of God or not. Someone asked one of the world's richest men, I don't know if you know the name, John D. Rockefeller. He was a a wealthy businessman and philanthropist in in the United States from the late 1800s to the early 1900s. Someone asked his accountant after Rockefeller had died, he said, how much did he leave? And the accountant said, all of it. Because you can't take anything with you. Even though he might have been famous, he might have been wealthy, he might have been all that sort of stuff. But the reality of it is, the only thing that we can take with us is if we've been faithful and fruitful to what God has asked us to do. That's the only thing. And that's, we are examined by God. And you know, there's another group that will examine us. Another group that will examine whether we have a fruitful, fruitful life. Do you know who it is? Not the church. People outside the kingdom of God. They will be watching us. They'll be examining us. They'll be saying what we are like as believers in our everyday life. They'll be checking us out. The ones who will be examining us are the very ones that God has called us to make a difference in their lives. God has called us to touch with the good news of Jesus Christ. They will be examining us. They'll be examining how we deal with difficulties. They'll be examining how we deal with relationships. They'll be examining how we deal with doing everyday life. I want to finish this morning with a story about a pastor. He grew up in an orphanage. I think it was in England or the United States. And he grew up in that orphanage from age 11 to 19. 
became a, grew up, went to college and all that stuff, became a pastor. And at the 75th anniversary of the orphanage, he was asked to go back and be the, the key speaker at that celebration. It was a three-day celebration. He was um, staggered by the invitation because he'd actually been expelled from the orphanage. He wasn't a really good little boy as a 19-year-old. So he'd been kicked out. And here they were asking him to come back and bring a address at that orphanage. He had a great time there, great time speaking there and encouraging the uh, residents and encouraging the staff. But for the whole time, his attention was drawn to somebody in the church, the uh, paramedics are here, somebody in the church who um, was his mate at high school. His name was Dale. And all the way through, he was, saying to, he was thinking, I wonder what Dale thinks of me, I wonder what Dale thinks of me. He remembers me when I was at high school. Right at the end of that seminar, Dale came up to him and said this. Ron, it's real. That's all he said. Ron, it's real. So he'd seen the change in that guy. I wonder if we will be seen as people making a difference this year. We can be by living a life of fruitfulness. Folks, I'm going to ask us to finish now and um, to give some space. Are we good there, folks? All right, all good? Terrific. Thank you. That's great. She'll be cared for. Are we making a difference? Are we living a life of fruitfulness? I believe we can, with God's strength, with his help. That's the challenge for us today as we go into this new year. Is there one more screen there, Cheryl? It's not clicking on it for me. There we are. Thank you. Let's pray. We'll pray again for Joan and the, and the paramedics as well. Father God, we, we know your word's true and many of us live it out and we've seen the results of being fruitful uh, for you in our own lives personally, in the life of our family, in the life of the church and the community in which we live. And we pray, Father, that your word re- will reinforce those things that we know to be true and that we might be that vine that you're working on with, uh, with Jehovah God, pruning us, helping us to bear more fruit. Father, we look forward to what is coming as we see other people's lives change because our lives are changed. Lord, we do pray for Ernie and Joan and ask that uh, as they go through the uh, checkup process now with the paramedics, that, Lord, your peace will just be overwhelming in their hearts and minds and that they can trust you through this whole time. We commit them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.